An echo from some ancient stone age is the work of Ed Leedscallon, a 120-pound superman. Using but the most primitive of tools, he handles huge 15-ton pieces of coral rock with the greatest of ease. This is his life work, building a great stone city that he hopes will stand for thousands of years. He works as the ancient Egyptians did when they built the pyramids. The rock that serves as an entrance gate is so nicely balanced, a slight push will move it. But that's only the first of many wonders to be found in this strange place. Many and varied are the huge pieces, and one of the most striking works is a huge table carved in the shape of the Florida Peninsula. Here's further example of how he's balanced these great carvings. There's comfort in these rockers, too. Love was love even in the Stone Age, and we have a different version of a merry-go-round. Junior would sleep like a lamb in this five-ton crib. This project may smack of the Stone Age, but it has all modern conveniences. Maybe there's no running water, but Mr. Leeds Cannon has built in basins for modern comfort, too. And what's more, a bathtub, oh boy! She's sitting on top of the world or something, just where this unusual artist hopes to be when he completes his most ambitious of hobbies. There's a rotor that has two little slip rings. You put the battery to it. It makes it a magnet as it's spinning. And the more you add the juice, the more it makes it come out the other end. Big, big, big. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. We're going to be talking with our ace up the sleeve, Mr. Scott Russell, about Coral Castle a little bit later. Uh, but first, Garrel Gomic Graham. How's it going, buddy? <sighs> what the fuck is that? Yeah, I'm going to make you look it up this time. Garrow Gomic? Garrow Gomic. Comic. Garrow Comic? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so Scott Russell, is is this, this is, I think, his first show, eh? He's, uh, his first show. And, uh, this is the first, you heard it here first. Yeah, this is how, what, Coral Castle was built. We figure he's got the solution here, right? Yeah, if not the solution, at least he seems to have gotten to the bottom of what Ed was up to with his wheel and his tripods and everything else. Um. And it seems pretty fucking bulletproof. Uh, yeah, bulletproof might be a little bit strong of a word, but I well, mean, he made a couple and is using them. Yeah, makes it pretty hard to. I mean, I guess we can't say for sure that Ed did it, but it sure yeah. seems like it works. Well, they're not cutting rock. They're not cutting big rocks. They're not just, yet. They're just sort of working in you know in the in the yard, right? But not yet. But, but it was pretty. It's a good chat. It was a fascinating chat. Yeah, I think. Do you have links to all the YouTube videos? Uh, yeah, I'll put them in the show notes for sure. Yeah, because if they're or, in the show notes, they'll actually display on the website. So the website, grandamerica.ca slash Russell, will have all those videos there. Then. Okay. Yeah. Well, it'll be his YouTube channel, and they can scroll through and find the videos, right? Is that good enough? Mm. You want me to go into... Okay. Good, oh, oh, is oh, is yeah. good enough good enough for uh, you, Graham? No. Okay. 
Perfect. You answered your own question. I'd rather you call me good enough, Graham, than that other one that's no definition for. Means old. Goggle comic? Garrel comic? Garrel Kami is this Kami? something to do with the study of old age or something. Garrel Kami? Yeah, like G-E-R-O-C-O-M-Y. Oh, there it is. Huh. You can thank our buddy Dave Zare for that. Yeah, thanks, Dave. There's about a thousand more where that came from. Yeah, I think you could pick some better ones. More like real ones. Well, you're fucking rushing me. <laughs> Am I? Sorry, always. I didn't mean to you're rush always me. rushing. Really? Yeah. Jesus. You're always in a rush. It's a long drive home. Move to Chestermere. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I get some feedback. What sort? Synchronicity? We yeah. Synchronicity in forever. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple of those. Oh, do I? No, I don't. Oh, you don't. No, I don't. I've got uh, lucid dreams and stuff. Lucid dreams? We don't have a jingle for that. Actually, I do have uh, I do have a little synchronicity for you. Is it your own? No. <laughs> I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Darren is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. No, this is from uh, Reddit, your Reddit thread. Oh, yeah. the Reddit thread I started and then forgot about? Yeah. Revisited a year later? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> uh, so anyways, it says, uh, this is from A-U-U-D, Aud. Audi. 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 Oh, yeah. Any excuse... To play that jingle. That could be the best jingle in the history of jingles. It is, yeah. Yeah, we want to thank uh, Yoho. Get, get my Yoho for that one again. Yeah, that's yeah. a home run. Grand yeah. slam. Yeah. So uh, I just barely found out what this is, but this happens to me all the time. Just very simple things. Like say I read something kind of interesting I found on the internet, or I think of it as pretty interesting idea on my own. All of a sudden I start seeing it everywhere. Maybe a show will be covering over the idea I had, or I'll talk to someone and they'll bring up a close subject that I was thinking about earlier. It's so insane. It makes you almost believe something is trying to tell you something like something is making these things happen to drive you in a certain direction. This is certainly a phenomenon not understood yet. So it's not quite a synchronicity. It's just a comment about how do I rate that? You don't have to rate it. You don't have to use your third party Canadian synchronicity rating authority. I'll give it a five. But you know what the skeptics call that beetle bug, beetle bug syndrome or beetle bug phenomena, right? Where you think of a, it happens a lot with cars. Like let's say you're, you're looking for a new car and you think, oh, maybe I should buy like a, a geo storm. All of a sudden you'll see these geo storms everywhere. Yeah. Or you'll connect some, maybe you're connecting something you wouldn't otherwise connected. And they say it's, or it's just classic a, ripple before the stick, which isn't as, isn't as big a deal as it was a couple of years ago. Uh, that's pretty, that's quite a phenomenon, right? Is that what you're saying? What are you saying? Is it? That it's like the time thing you mean? Like yeah. you're, you're seeing the future kind of in a way? You're not. I know I'm not. I'm saying that's what the phenomenon is. The ripple stick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that they, they think that the skeptics will say there's awareness around this thing. And all of a sudden that's why you begun seeing it. But I totally know what he or she means because it happens to me all the time. It's not, no, that, yeah, I'm not saying it's that ripple before the stick. Isn't that? No, no, I know. I just don't, I don't, I, I remember like, we saw ripple in the stick in like a documentary a, or something. Yeah, like that, but I can't like, remember. It's like when you stick a fucking stick in the river, 
they'll always be like six inches up in front of the stick is where the new ripple's going to start. Yeah, right. Oh, How do you explain okay. that? Because that water hasn't gotten to the stick yet. I, there might be some actually scientific term of it back-channeling around the back of the stick or something. Right. I don't know. But it's an but it's, analogy it, for It's that. an analogy okay, to okay. say okay. that maybe your, your, your subconscious just maybe is ahead of you. Yeah, I think we've got to come up with, with a little name because these are, to me, like these are mini synchronicities that happen. Like, and they happen to me all the time. I've said some of them on the on the show before, right? Oh, I just had another one too. To, no, to it's tell not. You. They're not. Those are rip sticks. Rip sticks? Ripple sticks. Ripple sticks. That's what we'll call them? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like, it's like not a, and I'll a rate big, those too. it's not like a big synchronicity, but it's just a tiny little, like two, two things happen or some precog thing happens and yeah. All right. And I can rate those too. Yeah. Okay. You do that. Harshly. Ripple sticks. sticks. <laughs> Ripple sticks. All right. So I want to talk about some loose, uh, lucid dreams. Um, Look, I have got a nonstop flood of feedback from lucid dreams. Really? People having them, people trying really? them, people who, like, I think what I've got, going like, between it? YouTube and Twitter, I've had maybe six or seven people say they've had lucid dreams within a couple of days of listening to that episode. And it's Gitmo's new favorite. Really? Yeah. I was pumped doing it. I knew it was a fun episode, but what, what's, what, what do you think is the what, wildest feedback? Because I was going to say, like, remember in the last episode, because maybe there's a whack of people that aren't even fucking aware of it, really. I don't know. I think, you think so? I, uh, I think it's a way that people can connect to their higher self or their the, the dream intelligence, the collective unconscious. It's easier than astral travel or easier than psychedelics, right? You can actually train yourself to do this while you're sleeping. Easier so than maybe it's just convenient. Yeah, it is. Because psychedelics, look at what happened with RPJ, right? He didn't even, nothing happened with RPJ. So it's not like just take a. You give me a fucking, let RPJ <laughs> come with me and it's going to be just fine. Hopefully it'll be a different outcome. <laughs> I'll force it. <laughs> People so, got to take account RPJ is like seven feet tall and weighs like 350 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They should have given them a 10 jug. glasses of masculine. Yeah. But anyways, you know what I'm saying? It isn't easy and it isn't reliable. Lucid dreaming is just, you're lying in your bed and you can connect to something greater than yourself. Sure. Okay. Ah, you finally agreed with me. So, uh, this is a bit of a tease, but, uh, this is from Stuart. We met him at paradigm. He's like, Hey, happy new year, buddy. I had to write to you. Really enjoyed the interview about lucid dreaming. I've tried to induce lucid dreaming before in the past and never had much luck, but the interview re rejuvenated my interest. So I've been doing the whole stare at my hands thing before bed and trying to remind myself about critical awareness through the day. And I had a huge breakthrough last night, longest, most sustained and vivid lucid dream I've ever had. I can't go into too much detail as I'm at work, but I did speak to the intelligence behind the dream as mentioned in the interview. He didn't get a verbal reply, but definitely got a response. <laughs> and that's it. He teases me and he won't give me the answer. Why not? I don't know. What want, the fuck, Stu? I want the response. <laughs> and this is from uh, TB4476. He says, hi, Graham. I listened to your show about lucid dreaming. I want to tell you about a dream I had last year. I think I experienced a spontaneous lucid dream. I dreamt that I was driving down a street near my old apartment in Ottawa, Canada. I live about, I currently live about two years, two hours away from Ottawa. In my dream, I glanced at the dashboard clock and it was 1 12 PM. 
I became anxious because I had to be at work by 2.30, but there was no way I could get there on time since my job was 190 kilometers away. Now I would have to call the office and tell them I was going to be late. I became angry with myself for visiting Ottawa on a work day. How could I have been so stupid? Then I began to wonder why I was in Ottawa. I didn't live there anymore. I wasn't visiting anyone. What was I doing there? Then I thought, could this be a dream? At that moment, I woke up and the alarm clock read 1.12 a.m. The same digits that were on my clock in the dream. Here's where it gets stranger. About a month after the dream, my dad called. He wanted me to drive him to Ottawa for a medical test. While we were there, we ended up driving down the same street that was in my dream. So do you think this is a case of higher consciousness or just a big coincidence? That's from Tomer. Coincidence. 100%. <laughs> I noticed I can definitely get along with that one, 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 twelve, or the numbers on the clock type thing because I've noticed that kind of shit before. Like I remember, I can actually remember a couple times when I was a kid that I remembered uh, that I realized I was dreaming, and it was always when I was peeing. I so dream, peeing is I'd your dream, dream sign. I'd, I'd be like, no, peeing I ended up peeing sign. the bed. <laughs> And it got to the point that because I dream, I was like peeing in the toilet and I'd wake up and I had peed the bed. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> so then I remember a couple other times it happened. I'd dream I was peeing someplace else and I'd wake up and I'd have peed the bed. And then I remember so you before. Really aware in your dream. No, but then I remember I'd get to the point that I could be like, I'd be like, uh oh. I got to pee and I'm dreaming. Wow. Uh, you should try that again. Pee That's in the trigger. bed? No, my wife is sick of me peeing in the bed. Yeah. But I remember that, or I'd wake up and I'd like wake up in my dream while I was peeing. And then when I woke up, I'd be like, just peeing all over the place. I remember my buddy Jason peeing in my buddy's laundry hamper nice. in the middle of the night, getting up, just, uh, just standing over. And he woke up and he was like, Jason, get the fuck out of my room. <laughs> oh, funny. So. So peeing is your dream sign. We know that now. Well, you should try peeing in your dream and you'll wake up and you'll be, become lucid. Or not wake up, but wake up into your dream. Or I'll piss myself as a grown man and that hasn't happened yet, so. You just said your wife was sick of it. That was a joke. So can't you picture yourself in this guy's shoes driving down this street that you don't normally drive in in Ottawa, taking your dad to an appointment, you get this deja vu from your lucid dream and wonder, how could I have dreamt that I was on this street a month before? When that well, weird number thing he'd happened, he'd been so, in Ottawa before, so he knew the street. It'd be a popular street. What was the street? That's not the point. That's the point. The point is, what's is, the point? Is he was he doesn't go to Ottawa anymore much because he lives away much. from it, right? So he dreamt about it. He dreamt about driving down the street, and then he ended up on that street a month later, the same night, like in that dream that he had the the numerical coincidence. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I need to know how many times he drove down that street before because it's more. <laughs> I'm saying it's more likely it's from an older memory than from a memory that hasn't yet happened yet. Oh, It'd be different if he had never been to Ottawa before or something. Right. Yeah, no, I see what Can you I mean Can I rate lucid that. dreams too? For what? I don't know. <laughs> Precognibility? <laughs> uh, there's got to be a bunch of different, like a, a bunch of different categories or something. Yeah, maybe. Well, he's trying to stretch it into more than a lucid dream, right? Yeah. So no, I can rate that. No, it's he's trying to say it's like is it a is it a, is it a higher consciousness saying like you're going to be in Ottawa like there's a, some triggers there like some similarities. Oh no, I don't see. I don't think that. I think if anything, 
if anything precog is happening there, I think it's just subconscious. Time isn't linear. Yada, yada, yada. Right. The ripple stick? Ripple stick. But fuck, what did I read? What did I read? the other, where, where was it? Was it Robert? I don't think it was Robert. It was talking someone who was dreaming and when they like lifted up the rug or something like that, it was like a grid underneath. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the Matrix kind of thing? Like or? the holodeck. Oh, yeah. What was that? That was on a podcast. Maybe it was M. Or it wasn't. Really? No. What was or it? Or was it us? I heard it somewhere anyway. Was it us? We don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I got an email from Jack too. He says he's been listening to the show for a few months and donating to the Money Bomb when he can. Thanks, Jack. He says it's my new favorite podcast. You guys read my Is name. Is that John Jack? Yeah, it's John Jack. Oh yeah, he donates every month. He's yeah, a big supporter. Awesome. If he you wants guys, an email, if you want an email, John Jack, you can have John Jack at America. <laughs> he should because I still don't really know. He says you guys read my name on the air a couple times, although I go by Jack, not John. Does he look like a Jill? That's pretty rude. Oh, no. It was that joke. Do you remember that old hippie joke? The Jack that looks like a Jill and smells like a John? No, I'm not an, I'm not an old hippie. <laughs> and you probably see me on the mixer chat now and then. Anyways, he says uh, he works in the animation I- uh, industry. And the guys, uh, the topics that we cover are the, his biggest passion outside of art. He wanted to combine these somehow, these interests he has. So he's starting a new Tumblr blog called High Strange GIFs. GIFs. Is it GIFs or GIFs? GIFs. GIFs. Giffy Graham. <laughs> I knew that was good. <laughs> It's going to be uh, featuring. I wish I, I should have cut some gifts out of your Mars One application video. I wonder <laughs> if I can still find that. <laughs> I doubt it. To feature animated gifts uh, relating to new reports from around the web, classic encounters, and prominent figures in the field. So I'm going to link to a couple of posts in the show notes here. And he's also made a couple of short cartoons relating to strange stuff over the years. He's got one like with this guy messing around with astral projection tropes and a true ghost story. It's pretty cool. Anyways, uh, thanks. He says, thanks for all the hours of entertainment. I'll be listening from LA. Well, thanks, Jack, John. I will, uh, check that out and link to it. Shit. You know what? Now that you mentioned that someone else had tweeted me and asked me to mention something and I fucking don't think I'll be able to find it now. Here's the thing. Twitter is great, but it's a mess. If you want to actually send me something that isn't going to be lost. Send it to Graham. Send it to Graham. <laughs> uh, where the fuck was it? No, yeah, it was something to do with, uh, I can't remember if it was a blog or what the fuck it was. But uh, if you remember, tweet me that, send it to Graham. Or even like, if you go to the Gramerica on the Gramerica Facebook page, it's like a messenger that doesn't, get lost in the fucking because even twitter direct messages like i'd never delete them or anything and there's that stupid auto message when people follow us they get an auto message and those never used to show up it used to only show up when i mess or when people messaged me but now with the new fucking update it shows every auto message i send out so every time someone follows me i get a new message so right now i've probably got like three thousand fucking direct messages in my inbox and fucking they make it shitty to delete them too. I'm pretty pissed off. I wish I wouldn't have updated. Updated what? The Twitter app. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a fucking mess now. It'll probably change back if you're having that much problem with it. Hopefully. I mean, it wouldn't be a big deal, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
Live in a shoe. And you're gonna say that too. Move to a boot and get laced. <laughs> I had some other guy mention the Oh shit. Alright, yeah, I f- almost forgot about this. It's my favorite part. Graham's profound UFO quote of the week. Darren? What? This can't be laughed off. We have over 300 reports which have been, haven't been have been publicized in the papers from very competent personnel in many instances. We are running down every report. I can't tell you how much we would give to have one of those crash in an area so that we recover whatever they are. That's from Colonel McCoy, March 17th, 1948. He's... That was from the Air Force Scientific Advisory Board meeting at the Pentagon. Nice work. How does I thought you'd have a global warming one. This is Scott Russell. I thought you'd have a Coral Castle one. (laughs) See, that's what happens when you record two intros on back-to-back nights. We probably just repeated everything. Yeah. So I got another email, and I wanted to know what you think about this. Hey, guys, avid listener. I fucking forgot. I didn't read to all the way to the bottom of Dave's email, and he actually suggested a great one. Dave. My buddy Dave. I'm going to take a fucking screenshot so I have it for next week. All right. Okay, so love you guys and love your vibe. You don't say ham. You spam. What the fuck? The spam UFO jingle was still playing. So anyways, he's a bit he's a Bitcoin evangelist, more specifically a person who believes that the blockchain which powers the Bitcoin network will change humanity. He can speak on the subject and how it interplays with centralized structures today for hours. Let me know if you'd like to do a show and I'll come on and wake you up to a whole new world possibilities. Of, of possibilities? Of possibilities. That's Shervin. Thanks for the email. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get in contact with you. Um, yeah, that's something we want to explore more at some point. For sure, eh, Darren? Especially now, because we're talking about this uh, little donate, like somebody gave us a tip jar thing, like a buck uh, through Bitcoin. So oh, it's, yeah, it's going to no. become a real easy way to to do that um, micro, what's it called? Micro banking or something like that? Micro banking. Yeah, actually, when he listened to that episode, he gave us like uh, eight tenths of a cent. Sweet. Yeah. Just another million of those and maybe we'll cover our expenses. Yeah, no, but he gives us uh, he gives us around a dollar a show or five dollars if he likes it, and that's actually the same fella that uh, I sent you the thing about. He wants us to have those those other guys on. I tweeted him, but no one responded. So somebody else mentioned that the Bob and Doug vibe too, and I don't know why that's coming up all of a sudden. Bob and Doug, yeah, again, again. You sure, it's not the same one. Yeah, I am. Positive? Uh, no. Barely certain. Barely. Okay, let's hear it. No, that's that's all there is. That's it. Yeah, I don't like it. And he linked it. He linked to some synchronicities, and I and I didn't really get the synchronicity in the link, so I'm not reading that part of it. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Thanks for the feedback and the spam. Spam blam. Speaking of that, spam gram at g r a h a m at grimerica dot com. Yep. And uh, we want to thank you for your support. Yeah. Speaking of that. Yeah, it's been a good month so far. Let's keep it going. We haven't got any new subscribers in a while, but people have been, uh, we definitely, donations have been up. So if you want a t-shirt, uh, we've got some left, 25 bucks of a donation will get you a t-shirt, right? 
Yep. Five bucks a month subscription. You can have a Gramerica email. Darren's got a few of those left. And uh, what else? Just anything helps cover our expenses, really. We have a 50-50 money bomb every month. We try and give back, well, we do give back half of the donations to somebody who's listening. You don't have to, to, to donate to enter. You can send a postcard to the P.O. Box. Bunch of rules on grimeamerica.ca uh, slash moneybomb. Yep, that's right. And if you can't afford that, then we always appreciate reviews and spread tell the friend, word. Spread tell the a word. friend, tell yeah. a friend about this show. Threatening to cancel us. Leave a voicemail if you want. Uh, there's one other thing. Oh, newsletter. newsletter. Yeah. I'll put a honey dooby doo list in the uh, show notes. Honey dooby doo. Just ways to just ways to help out. Yeah. yeah. So we might as well jumping into it with Scott. Yeah. Get to jumping into Scott it. Scott Russell and the Coral Castle mystery solved. Yeah. Fuck. It seems pretty solid. Yeah. It seems pretty solid. I'm. Uh, fuck. We should build one. Nah. No? no, it'll help us build our crop circle. <sighs> You're not building a crop circle. Yeah, we'll track the orange orbs. Now you're in. Now I'm in. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right, guys, enjoy the chat with Mr. Scott Russell. Okay, guys, in America tonight, we've got a bit of an exclusive. We're going to be talking with uh, with Scott Russell. Um, we found him via YouTube, uh, and it's going to be a really interesting chat. We're kind of getting back to Coral Castle, which has always been kind of a favorite of ours, and we've only talked about it once. And you know, that's like still one of our more popular episodes. But we never—it's hard to find people to talk to about it. Is what it is. Um, but first, how's it going, buddy? Hey, I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. We good. almost did a different intro. I, and I, I know, it almost. <laughs> I think Scott. I think Scott found us actually. But when Darren was mentioning Coral Castle, and it has been one of our more popular uh, episodes. Most of the people that are listening have probably heard of it, but there's a lot of mystery and conspiracy surrounding the quarrying of these massive coral blocks and the and the moving and the the installation of these things. And Scott's had an interest in this for a while, and he's been doing some real like field work. Um, you know, like real trial and error stuff, trying to figure out how this stuff works. And he's come up with some some uh, pretty good ideas here on on what he thinks uh, was done. So he's he's apparently figured all this out. So we're going to talk to him about about this and the science behind it. And and we're going to have to get him to dumb it down a little bit for us here because he's <laughs> he's a pretty technical guy. So hopefully uh, we can learn learn a little bit more about the other side of the Coral Castle. So welcome to Grimerica, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So uh, yeah. I guess, you know, like we watched your YouTube videos there. We're going to link to all that in the show notes. And it's pretty interesting. You've got all these 
tripod setup and you're you're working you're working this stuff. But before we get too far into that, just for people that haven't heard of Coral Castle, because you know I still come across all these people that are they're not sure what the Coral Castle is. So can you give us like an overview of what you think, like what people kind of what it is just in brief and then and then some of the theories the more crazy theories out there that people think uh are how Ed Leedskalnen um Leedskalnen yeah built that built this thing All right well I can uh give you the quick history on what I know I know that Ed Leedskalnen was uh born in Latvia a town called Riga which is the capital and he basically immigrated to America uh, in 19, oh boy, I forget when he got here, 11, something like that. And I guess he wandered around Europe and so on and then uh, ended up, I heard, at Ellis Island. I haven't done the troubadorial work to find that fact, but I think he ended up there and then made his way out to Washington and Canada and learned how to rig big things. And I guess he ended up down in Florida and somehow he had knowledge from the past and was looking for some special kind of uh, ground to do his work with. And so he created this place down in Homestead, Florida called well, it was originally called Rock Gate Park, and now we call it Coral Castle. Mm-hmm. And you guys know that, of course, there's some giant blocks down there. And some of the, uh, I guess you'd call them legends or lore, is that he had free energy with no electrical connection and was able to quarry and... Uh, basically lift these rocks out of the ground and some of them are just colossal and overwhelming to look at so people kind of got the idea without really seeing this that he might have possibly levitated them magnetically plus there's a lot of uh, evidence down there in the way of a fancy looking wheel that no one really knows what it is and things that just, you know, it kind of alludes to mystery. And there's a lot of other things that seem to have happened in the way of helping that mystery uh, transgress in the way that there was, he died kind of prematurely. He kind of worked quietly, I guess, at night. And of course I would, it's hot down there. (laughs) that's part of some of why I think so. Um, Just he worked kind of in secret too, I guess. He was kind of, uh, I don't think he was like holding back any secrets, but I think he just was one of those kind of people that if you didn't ask, he wasn't going to tell you. So basically he's created this place that um, in 1951 he died and he had a nephew, I guess, in Chicago who he left this site to, and his nephew basically just kind of dumped it (laughs) four years later in 1955 to some people who did have enough money for, I've heard, $150,000. And they went around and actually got over 300 affidavits, and a guy named Rusty McClure has a book out now that has these affidavits. 
And in that little lead time, the four years, I guess a lot of vandalism occurred and they sold off the timbers and so on and so forth. And it just got to the point where, honestly, I really don't know why nobody knows what he did down there. I guess Mm -hmm. I think back when I just don't really think anybody cared. Right, right. And now people (laughs) like to talk about it, but I mean, how many people actually go there, right? Yeah, a lot of people do go there. I I actually went down there and kind of had a little personal chat with a few people and snooping around, and I guess they do okay. They're not, you know, they're not hurting monetarily. They're not in the greatest area yeah, uh, in the country, let alone in the locality. You know, guys joke about don't leave your car unlocked and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So what about the affidavits? What what was that? I've never heard about that before. What were they signing those for? Um, Apparently, the owners that still own it, and I'm actually writing them a letter to kind of give them a little insight here to see if they want to, you know, spread this around a little more. They, um, I don't know what prompted this, but the rumor is that they knew this was quite a, feet and that he was an in, uh, uh, an interesting individual from a kind of an endemic area a way little latvia is a tiny little place and uh they they wanted to have local people literally sign legal affidavits stating that they knew this man edward lead scallon and that he did this through whatever means oh. and yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't really done some of the work that Joe Bullard and the other guys have done. Those guys are experts at it. But I have glimpsed at it enough to see that they're um, and a buddy of mine there. I got to mention his name, Roy St. Vincent, who's got a lot of stuff up on YouTube. He's not an electrical engineer, but boy, he's into this good and he's got a replica exactly like it. And as we get into this, I'll explain it. But I've been working with him. We got his wheel to turn. Well, anyway, he has that book and it talks about these people. For example, one guy goes, if I can recall, he goes, oh, yeah, I remember when Ed um, tried to erect the obelisk. That darn thing broke twice. It wasn't until the third time he got it up. And I was sitting there going, no kidding. I didn't know that, you know. Yeah, yeah. With all this mystery, of course, you know. Hmm. So that's some hard, cold evidence that's somewhere down there in Homestead, I guess, logged in the town records. And there's a few guys that have been digging that kind of stuff up. Hmm. So... So what what about some other types of uh, theories? Like, you know, you talked about free energy. So people talk about levitating through, um, what like, do they talk about sound? Besides magnetic levitation, they talk about sound and other things like that? Well, part of it's because he released that pamphlet on magnetism, right? He wrote, he had some writings on magnets. Yeah, he wrote a book called Magnetic Current. Huh. And and actually, he did some pretty good research setting there for two years with a battery and his little magnets and wires and kind of figured out quite a bit of the stuff that we know. And I'll, I'll get into one of the things he discovered is this perpetual motion affair. Um, that's something that he brought to the table that the world actually uses today. Right. 
And I happened to coincidentally be involved in computers when I was young, and I actually used to program this digital, it was called the digital PDP-8E, that's all that bull crap, but basically, picture like this screen with a bunch of wires at a matrix with tiny, tiny little metal rings on every intersection. There was like 4,000 on something the size of your laptop. And that was 4K. <laughs> and every one of those wires would magnetize the ring, and the ring would stay magnetized because of this concept that Edward Leed Scallon kind of discovered. Huh. Well, anyway, to get back on the track of why people think he may have levitated them, I think most of that, first of all, stems around the mystery of the unknowns with that damn wheel. <laughs> Because that thing is a space-age-looking son of a gun if I ever saw. (laughs) You know, I mean, you go down there, and it's magnetic, and people just love magnets. It's a big, giant, what the hell. You don't just just don't see anything like that anywhere, and no one really knows what he did with it. So they – and then there's a video out there. It's called Ancient Knowledge 4. Um, out of seven, I call it the AK-47 movie because it's killing people. It's telling them stuff that I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I better go easy. It has brilliant mathematics in it, and it'll apply to something else. And the content is very, very compelling. And it alludes to cymatics, which is a science of vibration. And kind of like if you can get uh, a resonance going humming just right you can often cause something to vibrate but it really isn't levitating it's just being pushed at a time like that concept of someone on a swing you just get it going and you push them and you know you're really not moving them it's their own momentum doing it and so on and so forth so a lot of that seems to have stemmed from somewhere i honestly i mean personally i really can't answer that to the degree of the audience satisfaction because I don't know where that came from. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I mean, I think some of it can't comes from the mystery that still surrounds a lot of the ancient sites like Gobekli Tepe or or uh, oh, know, Puma point. Punko and, and yeah, the pyramids. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's a handful, there's handfuls and handfuls of these yeah, sites that have massive blocks. Good and, point. Uh, what? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so people are thinking, well, it must have maybe. You know, since there's all this other mystery shrouded around it, maybe he used some ancient technology, you know? Well, I I will say this. I went down there, like I said, and I did, you know, I, I've heard people say the obelisk is 60 feet tall. It's not. But I'll tell you what, that 30-ton rock is a sight to behold. How in God's name he got that thing out, even with all the knowledge I got. I, I mean, he I I've got some simple stuff I've done here down in Vermont. I had a giant rock that it was spring this year and my spouse and I wanted to put a sidewalk in and I actually have a backhoe and it was all muddy and I was going to tear the place to shreds. So, and I was into this guy at the time. I thought, all right, I'll get off my ass and go out there and do it sensible. So I dug a small little hole under the rock. This is a giant rock. It's a big about a six by eight by maybe 10 inch thick rock that we have going to our door. So I dug this hole, put a little beam across in front of it and then cut down a 16 foot 
I don't know, six inch maple tree and then shoved it under there like a big pry bar and then got on the other end and no way could I lift it. <laughs> so I went up in the shed and got 10 empty mud buckets and put them on the thing and filled them with water. And then I was able to go right up and pry that rock right off the ground. Now, my backhoe can't even pick that rock up. So I know he could do it, you know, with the 30 ton, he'd lift a corner here and there. I mean, maybe he had to even set that tripod with a big ass rock on a lever to lift the big rock to get just a board under there. And then he moved it around to the corner. I'm just saying he didn't deadlift that one. Those tripods do show some evidence, which we'll get to here in a minute. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, uh, but, but I can see that's the big rocks. <laughs> so Period. T- tell me how the buckets of water helps you out then. Just explain that, that technical. Well, I, I took, okay, basically it's all about counterbalances. Um, I have a 45-foot teeter-totter in the backyard here for the kids, of course. <laughs> you know, there's some supervision on that. But basically, I just took the buckets and hung them from the giant 16-foot pry bar that I had. I only had the fulcrum like, you know, a foot down next to the rock. And then I put all the buckets of water on the long end and filled them with water. So I had literally, you know, six, 700 pounds of water hanging on the other end. So by the time I got there, I was the little straw that broke the pry bar and made the thing really lifted up. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. I wondered, I thought that's what you meant. Yeah, it was, it's, I'm just trying to describe simple old leverage. And I know that's what Ed did down there. Cause it's just all over the place. It's just how you do it is kind of a, Hmm. Yeah, I, I saw that one yeah, video. That's only, that's probably three tons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the one I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 If that, but exactly. It's still too much for a backhoe. Did you ever see that video, that one where a guy moves these big blocks just by putting yeah. this tiny little pebble underneath the Yes, I've actually, the... Wally lives over in your area. He's in Michigan. He's down your way a little way, a bit. And yeah. I've actually been conversing with him online. Oh, so that's the guy that made that, that video? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. His name is Wallace Wallington. And he's actually, I guess he did a show with History Channel. They came to him. Oh. And yeah, he's actually done some work. I think what it was is like you're saying, they were looking into the pyramids and found that he had some information. And, of course, he didn't really go into dispelling all this technical business with the wheel. But some people said, well, there's how he did Coral Castle case closed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, OK, I don't know about that. But so they got a, he got a little bit. They kind of started throwing comments at him like, you know, what the hell? A guy takes a pebble and moves a rock and he solved Coral Castle. I don't mm, think so. You know, and so everybody's ramming him and he just kind of backed away like, OK, well, screw this. Yeah. He got his money and I've talked to him and he's a good chap. You know, he I, he's he just I think he got. Is you know they they hit him pretty good, <laughs> but yes, the stuff he does is excellent. That sixteen foot rock where he tips it back and forth and raises it up with just two by fours—that's impressive. So the man's onto something. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. So speaking of onto something, um, it seems like you stumbled across some things, or you've got a, at least formulating a a, a a pretty solid theory on on what Ed was up to. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't know how to stu- say stumbled. I, 
got right into it and decided to try to find out just what this damn wheel would do. (laughs) So I ended up building one myself and I did it in a way that I was able to actually real brief on how electricity comes out of your car. You've got a, uh, that's your car is nothing more than a three phase alternator. It's not a generator. There's a rotor that excite you, you, there's a rotor that has two little slip rings. You put the battery to it. It makes it a magnet as it's spinning. And the more you add the juice, the more it makes it come out the other end, big, big, big. <laughs> I don't know how I did on that, but that's basically what I built to replicate Ed's wheel so that I could take my controls and vary the magnets and such that he has down there. So make a long story short. I started doing that and through a lot of experiments and windings and iron and testing, which I had quite a bit of it. I, I've got a lot of experience in uh, the Navy, so I dealt with a lot of electromechanical crap and I know the values and the numbers and you know a lot about electricity. So basically, it didn't take me long to really hone in. Well, I read the magnetic current book and a lot of stuff on line to really scour what the knowns were and find out just who had a clue and who didn't. And I started really finding out that not really too many people really did. And so then I thought, all right, why is this? This is, I did six years in the United States nuclear Navy. I'm a good old American boy. I'm going to find out why there's this damn mystery in my country. (laughs) (laughs) that exists not too far from where my parents live and my father carves. And it got really wow for a second. It got like, you know, this thing's knocking me right upside the head spiritually. Like, what the hell is this thing telling me? See, my dad can carve. (laughs) He can carve anything. He can carve you and me and birds and bears. And he's judged world competitions and all over the place. And he's living right down there in Florida. And I realized that this guy carved all this stuff and I just got sucked in. Well, here's another coincidence. The place that I'm at, I just set up a website and uh, the Google map shows right where I live. Well, my father set up a studio here to carve 30 years ago and he called it Stonegate Studios. (laughs) Yeah, synchronicity. Well, exactly. So maybe you guys can help me now. (laughs) Anyway, there's the ley line connection. (laughs) And I'm going Rock Gate Park, Stone Gate. You know, what the hell? You don't see that too often. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We talk about synchronicities a lot on the show. And a lot of the people we talk to, whether they're authors or some sort of creative type, uh, that you know, usually researching some sort of rare knowledge. Uh, a lot of times, synchronicities happen to them, and it really propels them on this path. You know, just, yeah, like, yeah. You're, just like you're getting, you know, you, you like you said, you're drawn into this, and it's pretty much, you know, it's it's taking you for a ride here, and you're going along with the wave and and uh, figuring shit out. It's awesome. Well, here's something else. I guess if you get a little bit on the the uh, tinge of <laughs> lunatic. You can kind of maybe feel and ask and guide and receive if you really want to get a little your fingers wet. 
I, I've done that to the point where I'd be up there in the damn garage and I'd be working on something and I'd just like sit there all going, okay, am I even freaking close? And then the wind would start blowing like hell, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> but so you, anyway, so you get some I, guidance. I, I, like, what do you, what do you call that though? Do you, like, do you take, do you, I, I call, would it be right, like your, you know, I've got a disclaimer that I put in this book that I just wrote and I'm going to put up called a visit from Ed. Ah, <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, what you meant by that. All right. <laughs> let me, let me, let me lay out my disclaimer here. <laughs> Uh, the 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 coincidence presented itself, so it got me to thinking, and then I acted on that, and it proved itself good, and that's all I can go on. You know what I mean? You can't really say that every time the wind blows, I move. Right. right. You get kind of an inspiration inside too. I guess you can go down. I mean. <laughs> I got an inspiration riding down to find the place. And I'm thinking to myself, the buddy that I asked to ride with me is sleeping. And I'm thinking this is midnight or so. I'm in some place. I don't know where it was, Georgia or South Carolina. And I'm thinking to myself about this grid that he had. And I'm thinking, I wonder just how that grid was set up. Well, don't I drive by this town called Triwire? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, can you read the signs? <laughs> so there's just some more of that little silly poop. Oh, I like it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, well, so I got a thousand of those. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Darren, Darren likes to rate synchronicities. Yeah, no, I don't want to write them down. They'll think there's some witchcraft going on or something. So, so that, that wheel that you uh, made based on the one that Ed made, that right. is that what you're calling the perpetual motion affair there that you're talking about? Well, it's not perpetual motion. No, it it, I, it doesn't turn by itself. What it what what I mean by that? And a guy corrected us online because the other guy put that up, and I was like, no, it can't turn by itself. But it's it's a self propelled unit, is what it is. It runs on a battery, actually. And it's nothing more than a very low, slow speed pulse motor. And it turns very slowly. And basically, that's what I made and made turn in my own garage. And there's a story behind that. I, I actually started, if you guys don't mind me going off on a little dissertation on how this happened. Okay. Um, I basically started not so concerned with the wheel. To me, the wheel was obvious right away. I was concerned with how the hell he cut all those rocks. I mean, if you look at all those things, it's just a massive achievement that he did. Uh, all that sculpting is just amazing. And how did he do it so straight? Those rocks are straight as a, as a, uh, you know, they're straight as our normal walls. Right. And so I got to thinking about that, thinking, you know, what the hell did he do? He had to have a machine. That was a machine. So I approached it with the, the basic electromechanical industrial aspect and built my own wheel. And then I actually did some homework on this two-coil PMH that many people have been putting stuff out there. And many of it is accurate and true, but it's not really pertinent to the actual machine that Ed had constructed. So I 
literally for six months or so played around and I built a nice electromagnetic uh, deal that works off some theories that are in his book and it kind of failed. So I put it down for a few, three or four months, got back into it. Somehow I got into this solenoid business and cause I was watching these guys build these motors on uh, YouTube and I thought, what the hell, I'll take an interim and build one. Uh, got a lot of hits and then it dawned on me. That might be what Ed was doing down there. So I started playing with solenoids, and then, bam, I realized, wow, that is what he was doing down there. And it didn't take me but even maybe two months to start winding all the things that I saw that he had going on. I wasn't really concerned with the wheel. I was concerned with the gizmos. Like, there's a picture I don't know if you guys know about. It's called the Ed at Work picture. Have you seen that one? Yeah, I think I have. Um, I think it's on on Google, actually. Yeah, it's on uh, Ed Leeds Scallant. Yeah, that's right. It's on Ed's site. And basically, it's him standing next to this big Y-looking thing with some iron chain business and a very straight big pipe on it. And, of course, that was my first clue as to, okay, what's he doing, laser cutting the rocks? Or is this, you know, zapping them with magnetism and floating floating them in the air and all this? So I did my homework and realized what it was, and it didn't take me long to figure out exactly what he was doing from the field end. So then I'm talking to this guy, Roy St. Vincent, who has a lot of hits on his replica, that looks just like Ed's. And he and I got to know each other pretty good. He's a good friend now, has a nice family down there, and that was a really nice thing. Few of those coincidences there. Anyway, uh, he, I, I said, Roy, you know, and he, he was really into the levitation and free energy, trying to get it to turn and pull energy out of the earth with Tesla and all that. And I was just kind of breaking his heart saying, well, you know, I said, I can go out and tell people just what the hell he did. And I know what that wheel did. I just don't know how he turned it. And he goes, yeah, that's it. Until that thing starts turning by itself, no one's going to pay any attention. So I'm like, you know, with my recreational pharmaceuticals (laughs) sitting there going, damn, I can do that. So. Bam, I'm up in the garage. My wife, this is Thanksgiving night. She's like, where the hell are you going? I'm like, I'm going up and I'm going to turn my freaking wheel. Well, I stayed up until four o'clock in the morning and built myself a little relay and got that son of a gun to spin. And I was freaking out and I called Roy and he was like, man, no kidding. No kidding. You got to come down here and get mine going. And I was like, I know, because that's the only one people are going to listen to. You see what I'm saying? Mine has all kinds of coils of wire. I made it from scrap, actually. And his looks like it. That's the one people can say, oh, yeah, well, that one, you get it to turn, and we're in, you know? Well, it it looks exactly like Ed's. (laughs) Yeah, it is, and it has the four-leaf clover leaves, or the four clover leaf things on top, and the five, it's all, it's the same thing. He doesn't have a Model T, but the rest of it's exactly the same. So he's down in Florida. My folks are in Florida. My dad's going into this operation. I'm like, oh, boy. And I don't have a lot of money. I live here in Vermont, kind of like the way they used to 100 years ago. It's pretty much I still heat with firewood. You know, I, I work 
for what we got here. So I don't have lots of big cash flow. And I, I'm like, oh, I got to go down there. I got to go down there. I got to get this wheel to go. I got to visit Coral Castle. I'm at a crossroads. I got to get down there. So I'm like for a whole week fl flipping out. People think I've lost my marbles. I'm trying to find some guy to drive me, you know, me and him down there. And they're all going on this what you're hearing now, like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Take the pill. <laughs> you know, everything's going to be fine. Well, I did find a guy. So we went down there and I brought a few little gizmo parts because while I'm doing this, as I got mine going, it dawned on me to take another look on the wall down at Coral Castle. So Roy emails me this really good high def picture of that wall. And I'll be a son of a gun. If I don't see the one thing that everybody's missed on that wall, actually there's three or four things that's on that wall that everybody's missed, but I'll get to that later. And I'm like, no freaking crap. There's a relay and a set of coils that no one's going to figure out because I'm sitting there going, how the hell does that thing even work? Well, then it didn't take long before I realized what he did. And he did exactly what I did with only I used magnets. He had coils of wire. And so I went down to Florida and in three nights, we were kind of partying a little bit. I don't drink anymore, but we kind of stayed up pretty good. And I built this damn relay that out of JB weld and aluminum flashing and crap that he had. And we actually put up a video that made that wheel turn by itself with batteries. And that's when I knew exactly what the whole machine was. So it starts with the wheel being a self-propelled pulse motor, basically. A car battery, there, there's a whole bunch of batteries in, in parallel that end up being all tied together, believe it or not. If you, one of your, one of your shows has Joe Bullard talking about the black boxes and he makes a reference to they look like big batteries. Well, it's ironic that that's really what, is in them because that's how he got all the power for all of those coils to cut the rocks. Actually. I mean, it takes enough, you know, it, it, here he, he got a lot done at, at once right down there. I mean, you, you've seen what he did supposedly alone. Yeah. Well, it turns out that this thing does it all by itself. I'm not kidding. It's that mine, mine does it all by itself. I, I hit the switch. The wheel starts to turn by itself. It's tied to a bunch of old Model T batteries. They're all in parallel. And all it is is the wheel turns and it pilots a signal out on a grid that picks up a bunch of little relays on the tops of those, re, uh, those tripods and sends big battery current to those actuator heads to do whatever he wants. And I built quite a few of them and had quite a bit of fun with them already. And there's all kinds of ways to do it. He had two or three different things. He had a scroll saw to make that big round thing down there. He had uh, a big chipping hammer that would pulverize that, that coral. It's down there. 
the the actuator that sits inside that yoke is down there encapsulated in plaster of paris i thought it was a big resistor it turns out to be <laughs> those are iron bar or uh, copper giant copper wires so basically it turns out that i do some homework and i started realizing just all the pieces down there that go together hmm. and it solves all the free energy business too See, all those batteries in parallel give you, you know how in the old days that, I mean, you guys are out in the cold there, you leave your lights on in the old days and the lights would stay on all night. Your car probably wouldn't start, but your lights might be on in the morning, right? Yeah. Well, if you take 10 of those batteries and put them in parallel, they'll not just stay on all night. They'll stay on for about four or five days. So... If he had 10 or 12 or whatever, like I've, I've got little baby lawnmower batteries. I've only got five of them and that thing hasn't gone dead yet. I keep a trickle charger on it and then the whole, the whole bank is like solidly charged and you can use the power for anything. You can use it for lights at night for sure. All you got to do is tap a model T light on it and there's your 12 volts without the See, he had electricity. He just didn't have utility power connected. They're all saying he didn't have any electricity. Well, he did. He right. had lots of it. Right, right. He, had, he his buddy was a junk collector. And I got to bow down and say that I kind of have my little <laughs> I go into a junkyard and I'm a little bit like a kid sometimes. Okay, you so know? let's uh, let, let's recap yeah. this a little. Yeah, so I was gonna say back up wheel. a little. I got off the track. I could use no, 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 the no, water no, anyway here. No, so. that's good. So, so basically, the wheel's like some sort of a capacitor. No, it's actually just a motor with a switch rack on it. It's a rotary switch. But it somehow amplifies the power in the batteries to be able to to, <laughs> to run the the saws and and whatnot. Well, it doesn't really even amplify. No, all it does is there's a battery in the wheelhouse that's tied to the rest of the batteries, but that, even if it wasn't, that battery just turns the wheel like a very low, low current, like say your blower motor in your car were on just low speed. It turns the wheel real slow, and as it turns, there's a switch that those four-leaf clover cams pilot on and off that's all it does it's nothing other than that and the switch every time the cam on one of those four leaf clubs goes around you get a pull shot that gets sent out 12 volt battery power basically goes out on this one wire that is like hitting the horn on your car you hit the horn a little tiny switch goes to a relay which is at the top of the tripod, and then wham, the horn gets connected. Only the horn is a, some cases, that, that hammer that rammed the well is a very large, large current drawing device. And so the one tripod that held the batteries to run that sucker probably had about eight of them in parallel. Because that thing, I mean, I played with a lot of this stuff. I've had stuff slam so hard it'll mash your fingers. Roy's playing with it right now down there with number 10 wire, which is way, way too much. And he's getting, he's pulling the, he's basically pulling his wheel halfway across the room. There's so much power. It's like the starter motor on a car. 
But he also had other ones that didn't draw too much. He had little coils. One of the bigger coils is setting right on the wall. It drives a Model T axle like a solenoid in the doorbell. You hit the button, it sucks that thing up against a spring and then releases. And all he has to do is move that little saw blade back an inch or two and it'll retract and the thing just keeps going back and forth until he cuts. And it continues to do that all by itself. And he doesn't have to do a damn thing other than guide and go smoke one. <laughs> okay, so you've so you've got all these tripods set up, and you're not using anything uh, as far as equipment or tools or anything that that couldn't have been done back when he did it, right? So you're exactly keeping it, you're keeping it fairly primitive. So you're using yeah basic elect electri- electricity, magnetism, that type of thing, and you're and you're you're creating this current in your <clears throat> wheelhouse, let's say, and you're right. pushing it through all these tripods that are all set up at once, and they're all working together slowly but surely either uh, chipping or cutting these big, or they would be if you were, you know, on a, in a coral uh, area or whatever, like a quarry. And then they're right. doing it all, all on their own, basically. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, that's very well put. You did that well. <laughs> and, and the first part, yes, the, the it sends it out there basically to the tripods and they send their power down to do what they got to do. Hmm. Yeah, I I've got it set up in my backyard doing the same thing pretty much. Yeah. So then, uh, uh, then so he must have just had to keep cycling the batteries out, or did he have some system yes. of charging them as well? Yes, actually, that there's a uh, it's not huge, but there is a bigger than a car alternator. There's a DC generator down there that's still on site. Really. And, yeah, that's how I figured this out because everybody kept saying this and that. And there, there's even more that I'll get into in a minute. But to overview this concept of free energy, right? All he had to have is those batteries tied in parallel. And then when they all got dead, all he had to do is start his resip engine, which was the old hit and miss engines. And run that generator enough to charge them all back up at once. That's the cool thing about this whole system because you're not just charging one battery, you're charging them all hmm. because they're in parallel, not series. Parallel is like how they used to wire the bulldozers. I think they wire the big tractor trailer trucks with three 12 volt batteries in parallel because you need that giant current to maintain the longevity of everything. 
here's a real quick little concept on you. I, I worked in the Navy and did some submarine work, and they have a battery for the submarines that's 256 volts DC at 400 uh, uh, amps. So these wet cells, like they were literally like the wet cells on your car. They were little two volt cells. There was 128 of these suckers <laughs> all in series. However, these wet cells were two feet by two feet by four feet tall. They had bars coming out of each cell bigger than your arm. You had to bolt the connections on to something that was a size of your hand laid out flat. And a guy dropped a giant wrench across it and two volts melted the wrench in half because the resistance is so low. The current is always the, the, the voltage is only two volts divided by zero resistance. You end up with incredible current just because you only have a few volts doesn't mean you can't knock something across the room with it. And so basically Ed's six volt batteries, if he had big wire on his actuators, he could do all kinds of rock cutting work. He just needed lots of batteries in parallel. That's all. And back then those batteries held quite some time. It almost I want seems... to try this. I want to try one. I'll just <laughs> yeah, come play oh, yeah. with yours. <laughs> well, you can come down here. We'll have, we'll, we'll, I'll set you up. I got a warm house. <laughs> It's it's almost too it's it's too simple to believe in a way. It's yeah, crazy. it really it really is. But the coolness is the actual machine doing all the work and the rotary, the rotary wheel turning itself is the cool part. Right. Here here's the other part of that. I mean, honestly, I don't think that was a very reliable, very good design. And if you look, there's brass wear marks on the handle. I think he. See, the key to this machine is just turn that wheel. He just had to turn the wheel. So all those theories of people saying he had a recip engine in there or he pedaled it with his bicycle or he turned it by hand like the picture shows, those are all plausible, viable methods. You know, he may even use some for exercise for all I know. But the mission was really to turn the wheel. And the speed at which he turned it is what gave the compound depending on how many he could have had 10 of those set up and had them all cutting those chairs at once. And just as long as that wheel kept turning. So, okay. That's, that's a good uh, explanation of how things could be quarried. Um, how about moving them then? Well, um, let me back up on something here. Okay. This is something that I also discovered that's part of this that no one else seems to have brought light to, which I don't know back to this coincidence uh, the son of a gun's been sleeping in my backyard. This Ed Leeds gallon. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how he quarried is different than how he sculpted. This machine I speak of isn't how he cut the blocks out of the rocks. Because um, on a few of the shows, you probably recall that this Moser brought him down to the site that they gave him an acre for 10 or $12. Some say free. I can't remember one out of three. You can pick one. Anyway, he went to his buddy at the junkyard and Moser came back a month later. This is the in search of, I re if I recall, and he had a tripod erected and a big block cut out of the ground already. 
Well, that was what really drew me because everybody online so far, and they've done a good job. I've even checked all these affidavits and such, and everyone says that he chipped down and then took the leaf springs from the Model Ts and pounded them underneath and extracted them off. You guys aware of that? Yeah, yeah, I remember hearing about that. And that's what everybody says he did, right? Well, obviously he would have to chip down and then get in underneath those leaf springs. However, those rocks, and here I got to back up. There's also, you guys aware of that black and white 1936 movie that has Universal Studios uh, doing a little shot on him pumping that come along and the rocks across the double tiered rollers so they look like they're floating and his tripods are all out there and the girlies are out on the rocks and stuff. Have you seen that one? No. I'm not sure. No, it might I, be what I used oh, to Oh, you guys got to Oh boy, you got to see that one. That's key. That's Is that the one with the cheesy music? It's like da, 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 da. No, no. This is the right out of the 30s. The the guy the guy comes on, he's talking just like that. This is right out of the 30s. This is a Superman, Ed Leedskallen, 120-pound Superman, quarrying his own blocks. He's going to build his own Stonehenge. Yeah, and I think we use that as the intro. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that, right? But it's got some 1936 coverage of him lifting the rocks right out with the tripods and hauling them across the, the land with his gizmo chains. So there's no mystery on levitation. That's why I don't know why all that's come about. It's right there in black and white. Literally, the whole thing shows him lifting the rocks with the tripods and pulling them along and everything. But what it doesn't show is how he cut the rocks to lift them out so damn perfect. Right. Have you noticed that those rocks are square? Those rocks are square like someone poured a corner of a brick building. And I know just from cutting with a regular saw, I can't cut a board straight. <laughs> so I got to thinking, what the hell did he do? And how did he get those blocks up? Well, then, of course, I started studying these high def tours that they put up. And if you look on some of those, you'll see where there's a section in right. And of course, I went down and saw this. The the quarry is still there. He actually quarried these rocks right of, out of where they are, like Lego blocks stuck on a damn mat and flipped them up. And you can see every rock, every deformity on the rock, he snapped off, flipped it up and went to the next one and flipped it up and went to the next one. There's only six inches in between every one of those rocks. And... There's a hardly any gap between the next tier of rocks. So I know he didn't just chisel them out. Well, then, okay, you talk about your coincidences. Here comes some more. I get talking to these guys online, right? And they tell me these stories, and I type in this and that and this and that. Some even email me, hey, listen, you're messing with a dude who knows what's going on here. You know, and I'm like, okay, yeah, keep going. You know, lay it on me. 
Sounds like he's about 20, maybe. And he goes, my father was an inventor and blah, 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 blah. I know the secret of Coral Castle. Here it is, dude. This is going to get you rich. Check out Ancient Knowledge 4, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, here we go. He goes, look at that door. You look at that door. The drawing on that door is the answer. This is what gets you rich, man. So I'm like, okay. I checked out that door a thousand times. <laughs> I know that there's a 16-pointed drawing on it, and there's a line that goes right down through the center of it. And it lands on some little circle that says 021 Earth, and it says ring bell. Well, it says ring bell. It used to say ring bell twice. So I'm sitting there looking at the door thinking, okay, well, what the hell is this guy talking about? Rotary flux converter with a laser output shaft, you know? <laughs> so, bam. Here it is. I'm sitting there going, damn. It's not the drawing on the door. It's the door. That door is exactly the same height as all those blocks. There's a lifting ring right where the handle goes, and there's holes right where the hinges go to bolt a blade on there. He took that door and hung it from a tripod, and in that 1936 movie, you'll see that there's a black... Looks like there's a bear behind all those tripods, but it's actually an old hit-and-miss recip engine. <coughs> Basically, if you take an old hit-and-miss recip engine, there's a locomotion attachment you can put on it, and there's one online of a guy cutting like a two-foot pine log with an old, old saw like you guys might still have up there. Okay. You know, and it's just sitting there going... It, those hit and miss engines would go you know on and off and on on and off and hit and miss and maybe they'd miss well this big old not slow motion big hole gargantuan eight foot saws sitting there going <laughs> so i'm thinking damn that's exactly what ed used so i looked at it and that door you can see the cut marks uh, uh, from where the door literally plunge cutted right into the earth. And what he did is he cut squares out like bread dough <laughs> with that hit and miss engine. And then on the one side, which I've studied the quarry, he had to get down in there about two feet to pound his first row with those, those, uh, everybody knows that he used those, uh, Leaf springs. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. I should be better at trying to yeah. get everybody up to speed. No, no, no. That's good. <clears throat> so he pounded them in like the old, what they called feather and wedges. I live in Vermont. We have quarries, marble, and the best granite around here. And so I know a little about that. And you can go online and a guy splits like this 20-foot granite rock by just drilling holes in these little tink, tink, tink. And one will go tink, 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 tink. And they get all tuned in, and you can hear them tunk, 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 tunk. And you hit the ones that aren't hard until they tunk, tunk to the next one. And you get them all just right. And then all of a sudden, out of about however many of those little tunk, tunk, snap, the whole thing will crack. Huh. Well, yeah, and I, I'm building a stone house myself, so I've learned that you can take a cold chisel and go up to most rocks with a little baby hammer and start popping on that sucker. And if you see even what looks like kind of a lattice or a flow 
I'm not kidding you. I've taken a little hammer and some pretty good sized rocks that I wanted, and I pounded a line across them, literally like 60, 70, 80, tink, 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 tink. And then on the 99th time, wham, the thing will split right in half. <laughs> I just don't know how that happened. I've never, I don't think, Darren, have you ever heard of that before? Well, I'll show. So I'll you, upload a video need, for you, do you guys. Do you need That's... one chisel, or do you need ninety-nine chisels? Well, no, depending on what, what? you're doing. Yes, <laughs> no, he's no, 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 Darren. He's yeah. right. That's a damn good question. <laughs> uh, no, that's a good question. With what I'm doing with the little boulders, that you only need one. You basically crack it and leave a line and start to pound them in. But you're exactly right with that coral and granite and stuff that doesn't have a flaw line in it. Or some sort of a grain. See, we got sandstone, so there's a grain. You can literally weaken that line with one chisel and pop it apart. But Ed pounded those leaf springs under, and I would imagine he pounded like the feather and wedges, like you're saying, about 99 or whatever. I don't know, oh, probably 20. Oh, okay, okay. Right, and he'd pound them under there, and, and like I say, you can hear the tink, 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 tink depending on the tension of how tight that wedge is pressurizing that little area. And they all start singing to you. And then as you get them evenly spaced, you can hear. And sometimes you'll see a crack start to form and it'll take two or three. But all at once, usually it just pops. And that's where he has his chains wrapped around. But here's the thing. Maybe that's where the legends of... Uh acoustical movement and shit come in well it's actually that's, them listening to their chisels not them that, singing that's well i'm i'm no i'm gonna get to that too <laughs> you'll like this after you why he was singing okay I, yeah okay yeah I'll, I'll get to that but back to the quarrying real quick i want to kind of shine some light on that what he would do is he'd plunge cut down in and make straight cuts with that giant door and then pop them off. And every time he popped one off, he could make the plunge cut again and just keep popping them off. He'd make two rows all the way down. And then here's the kick, the little oh, trick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Well, here's why they're six inches apart. My buddy figured this out. He's just got the old farmer ingenuity. He don't know anything about electricity, but he goes, I'll be damned. And so I was sitting there going, yeah, well, I can see why he had to do that. He had to get down in there. And he goes, yeah, he had to get his chains down in there. So basically, he would make two cuts for the next block, and they'd be four, five, six inches apart. And that stuff, you can almost break it with your hands. And he'd just take his big iron bar you see all over in the pictures and snap that section out and then get his chains in there and pop the next one off. And you can tell because the quarry shows the, the line, the razor-sharp line where the door stopped cutting. You see what I'm saying? It's, yeah, it's yeah. in the quarry. The evidence is in the quarry right down there. And the door is just blatantly obvious, you know. People are probably going to dispute me on that, but I'm going to do it because I went down there and I was breaking that stuff off with my fingernails. That stuff's really brittle and it's not very strong, that coral. So it was pretty easy. And then I was down there and Ken, I, I asked him, 
I said, so where's the door? I thought it was a conspiracy. You know, I'm like, damn, they really do have levitation. They don't want anybody knowing. I'm going down for the first time. I'm all over the Internet. I get down there. Guess what? The door's gone. <laughs> really? Where, where was it? Yeah, that metal door is not on. I guess it fell off the hinges about six months ago. Uh, so I went. I heard it fell off before a long time, and it took them like a couple of cranes, and they managed. No, to fix it. no, no, no. I gotta clarify something with you. That is the big stone door that turns. I'm talking about the metal door that you walk in, and it's right there at the entrance. It's just a metal plate. It's a giant metal door. It's the one door that no one, that's what Ed said. He goes, oh, that door doesn't turn anymore. And I'm like, no, the other door. He goes, well, what door are you talking about? And I said, the one that he cut the rocks with. And I was kind of egging him on to see if he thought I was a nut job. And he did. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I said, you can't let him get rid of that door. And that's when I told him what the hell was going on. And his eyes got bright. He's an older fella, and it made sense to him. And I knew that he realized that that door is how Ed cut all those blocks out. It's not even very easy to find a picture of that door. No, it's not. I've got a few now, and it's been there's been graffiti on it since then. Huh. Yeah. So you'll have to I send have... A, send those pictures over to me at some point. I'll I'll put them in the show notes. I will. Okay. Oh, and oh, I, I've is, uploaded man. some videos to YouTube on Christmas. Oh, I got. I got a picture of it there. Yeah. 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 That's, is yeah. That it there? yeah. Ring bell. Yeah. Ring, Ring bell, bell. Zero two one earth. Yeah. Right. Well, look at that door. That door's the same height <laughs> as all those blocks. And it went right in and cut up to about where that rusty line is. And there's a ring right there where he pulled it out with his tripod. See, that's how he got his first block out within a month. That I know it is. That's how he did all that stuff down there. I mean, that quarry shows that he incised i got a lot of stuff for you guys i made my own i'm gonna do it right up here i'll come up in your backyard and cut a hole i made one like that out of diamond blades i just haven't worked with it yet <laughs> nice. yeah we're we're going ballistic up here <laughs> we can make it so anyway the revelation on the door is kind of a i think it's also a significant discovery at the same time that the purpose for the wheel is discovered and they're not even connected. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Right. So are you planning a book? Yeah. I already, I'm going to, I've already, I've already written a book called a visit from Ed that kind of will be similar to his mineral animal plant life, his magnetic current book and his, a book in every home. They're like little 40, 50 page, kind of quaint little 10 15 20 pamphlet books that many people have purchased because they have his works and i was going to just kind of from a ed lead scallon perspective you know his books are like now i will tell you how a magnet works now i will tell you this so i wrote the book in that kind of format as if ed was dispensing this technical information did you were you born after ed died <laughs> me? <laughs> yeah. 
I wasn't born like Joe on the same year. I, I came a little later. All right. I'm not a young thing, but I'm not, not old. I'm not real old. I thought maybe uh, you were Ed. Joe, was Joe born the same year? Is that right? I forget. Yeah, oh. Joe was born like 1951, and they, they shoot him right in. Huh. That's funny, yeah, yeah, one of them. I think it was Far Out Radio, not you guys. But anyway, yeah, I was born in 61. <sighs> Oh, that's funny. So, uh, so tell us about that, the acoustical, uh, singing theory. Then. All right. So that's as simple as I've done a lot of industrial work wherever you get a rhythm of a machine that goes and Ed's machine was nothing more than an oscillatory, an oscillatory the whole compound did that constantly i'm telling you oh, that yeah, guy probably sang, day and night the guy right? sang to keep his sanity this wasn't fun you know what i'm saying he was out there like kunk, kunk. we're working on the railroad kunk, kunk. you know that sort of kind of thing <laughs> you get the rhythm of the machine and he probably just started humming tunes that's all i can come up with because oh, here's the like other three thing or four of them going at a time doing yeah. different things uh, yeah right <laughs> Well, the wheel only sends one pulse, so everything strokes all at once. But, yeah, and the other thing is that whole wives' tale is a wives' tale. There's really no one, you know, some kids. It was some kids again. And I'm not trying to shoot holes, but anytime somebody says some kids said, <laughs> I'm like, okay, are these the ones that talk to the imaginary other kids, too, or so have I been missing something all along about these ancient pyramids and structures where that I don't think I've ever heard them talk about the tink, tink, tink quarrying technique, you know, like that makes sense at a, for different megalithic stones, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, I, I think the quarry, I think the pyramid people were a lot smarter than we give them credit for. First of all, they found three giant sleds. These things are like 40 foot massive double row sleds like you guys and I would skid logs out with horses in the old days made out of old. Uh, they had some metal harnesses on them, but basically they were all mortise and tenon giant, giant sleds that would. They had, I don't know, a hundred of slots for ropes and holes in them, you know. Huh. And here, here, here's another thing. Those guys are saying they wet down the rocks and pulled those big rocks. Now, here's, here's another something about that video that everybody needs to see that Mike from Space has up. Uh, Darren Nemeth has it also online. It dispels a lot of things, but it shows how the kids said the rocks were floating. What Ed did is he laid down a track of raw of logs, like five or six heading, like from me to you. Then he took roller logs and put them perpendicular to those so that the rock could roll on something hard. You know what I mean? He didn't roll those logs on a log across the dirt. They'd never turn. Right. You right. gotta, you gotta have something like a bearing surface for that log to mate to. And that's why if you look in the movie, you'll see that there's all these logs underneath. And then there's a whole nother set of logs under the rock. And those rocks are a good foot or two, two, a good two feet off the ground, every single one of them. 
So all you got to do is see that movie and you'll see why they said the rocks are floating because he'd leave them that way. He had to. If he had to move one, he had to roll it on a whole set of tracks and then roll it onto another one. And the movie shows him pulling it with ease with that come along that some guys were saying was some magnetic fluxmanator thing. <laughs> Flux capacitor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I got it wrong, didn't I? I should know better. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Somebody, I guess, online had something about the come along was part of the magnetic circuit. And I was like, really? And then I saw the movie. And of course, I knew it wasn't. I knew it was a come along. You can see the paws and the dogs on the ratchet mechanism anyway. <sighs> so it's an old floor type. You just lay it down. It's a big grid about the size of uh, uh, a door a regular house door and then it's got the ratchet mechanism and there's some some little skags that dig into the dirt so what your winching can pull it in like a cat's paw and he was literally come along in those big blocks across those rollers with ease that's fascinating huh yeah it's, yeah i'm looking forward to the uh when are you planning on popping this thing out what the book yeah well, I've got a video book on my website. I put a website up and I am trying to get the all the monetary compensation because I've got a lot of time into this and my boss is pretty much thinking I'm done work and <laughs> I'm kind of trying to get some of this back so I can at least get something out of it. And I was going to try to put that up and have people click on it. But I think what I'm going to do is make the book i was i mean tell me what you guys think of this i was gonna try to put out like a uh prototype limited thousand copies of the revelation described a visit from ed in a you know i mean if i had an old crown royal typewriter i'd do it that way or an old typeset machine or something or even custom print it out and send it to people so the the Coral Castle nuts can really say, hey, I, you know, this, this guy in Vermont did discover it. I got every other damn book that we got on the place. I got the limited edition and now you can buy your whatever they're going to have them all over. If this turns out to be quite true, which I know it will be because these professors will confirm it. Basically, I'm going to end up selling a hard copy. But for now, if you want to view the whole thing laid out, I've got it on a website called madebyoneman.com. And you click on my video section and I've got uh, I've got a YouTube link that's called A Visit from Ed. Okay. And, and that you guys can watch. It's 33 minutes. It's got some pretty good video illustrations of course with me it actually has me going through almost the whole works it it tells how i you know i i i from ed's perspective say now if you go into rockgate park in the tool room today you'll find a clevis sitting in the lower right hand corner on the floor basically i walk everybody kind of through how he quarried how he put the machine together, what it does, how he erects the tripods. I, cause a guy was asking me, how do you get them big ass tripods up? I was like, well, damn, I got to do that now. You know, <laughs> you know, you know what else I got to do? 
I got an erect a 25 foot obelisk. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, I'm waiting. So, so that's I, a good, I, I think that's a good idea. Do like an old style uh, book, eh, Darren? What do you think for a limited edition kind of thing? And then, and then you have this uh, made by one man where you can buy a hard copy or this little right. documentary. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. What yeah, a little Stop. mini. Yeah, I'd go like mini doc and <laughs> book. You almost got to go the Kindle route too these days. So that's the thing. Yeah. But I mean, if you. Well, of. If you found a good Kindle person, there's probably a way you could incorporate the videos somehow. I don't know. I'm not. I'm, I don't even own a Kindle, which is weird. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That's I hear you on the Kindle. That's a good one. I'll I'll take that. I guess what I'm thinking is like a home printed version on regular paper, right from this house. Because oh, I'm, yeah, no, I, 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 I'm thinking. I'm thinking like. You know what I mean? 50 years down the road, some dude on Antiques Roadshow can say, hey, well, you guys got the a visit from Ed from the syndicated ISBN uh, public press who, who books, and it's all documented, but I got the original only thousand limited edition copy when the, the dude... Was found it, out, man. Yeah, when the dude was on Crime America. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty legit idea. I like that. Well, and some I, of it's kind of personal because I yeah. use cash to get this other stuff going and start cutting the rocks. Yeah, yeah. So what you're gonna cut rocks because you're gonna make uh what'd you call it? Stonegate or Rockgate Park Two or something like that? Yeah, well, that's what they're telling me I should do. No, honestly, guys, what I want to do here, I'm actually, I live, <laughs> the video you saw is actually set up on ledge by accident because I, I'm on the leeward side of a glacial till area where it's all ledge, but the glaciers ground up tons of rocks. I've got rocks everywhere here. I'm like Ireland, Scotland, and so on. I've got huge rocks. I got a backhoe. Um, one of my... YouTube channels has a cement mixer that was made back when Ed got to America. This thing is old. It's made by Coring. If you want some cool stuff, just check that old thing out. Basically, I bought it a long time ago. But anyway, I'm I've got enough to build my own little castle and I want to build a tower. I want to build like a 60 foot tower that's not much bigger than and live in the sucker. Imagine putting a wood stove in the bottom of that. By the time the stuff got to the top, you wouldn't have any heat coming out of the chimney <laughs> and, and <laughs> just something to be different. I don't know. Maybe later it'd be like, like you say, a little rock gate, stone gate park here. I don't know. I just want to build a tower. That's I don't cool. think I like that. that's I like good. Yeah. I like I, I'm I like not going to, you couldn't have I'm a not, more noble intention. I know. I love it. Right, yeah. I think uh, Nova is going to be more for the solving the rock gate. <laughs> well, we better get wrapping up here, there, uh, Scott. This has been a fascinating chat. We're gonna we're gonna get this out pretty quick. I hope here, and we'll link to everything in the show notes. Send me that picture. You know, we'll link to right. made by one man. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I wanted to mention all the videos will be on the on the uh, all the YouTube videos I can put in the show notes. Uh not in the. Pod players, but definitely on the website. So cool. it'll be okay. slash Russell R U S S E L L. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. All yeah. Right. So do you have anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Um, not there's some things. I mean, I, I could get into a few more things like where this buried treasure is supposed to be. 
<laughs> ah, well, maybe we'll maybe we'll save that for episode number two. <laughs> All right, because the other thing is I can explain what the Sweet 16 and what the drawings all are around the place and tie some of that together. This will give them a little food for thought and something to chew on. Yeah, yeah, that sounds interesting. Okay, we'll, we'll, do, that, uh, we'll do that next time. All right, good enough. Right, thanks, buddy, yeah, yeah, thanks for your time. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks a bunch, Scott. That was awesome. I can't wait to... Uh... Can't wait to get the book, the limited edition. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. hey, I'll, I can't wait to get started on it. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, stay warm up out there back east. And that was our chat with uh, Scott Russell. Yeah, pretty eye-opening stuff. The mad scientist himself. Yeah, fuck, who would have thought? I never would have came up with that. You know, it's like Occam's Razor, though. Yeah, kind of, yeah. I want to see, I'd like to go see one of these those things in action. Yeah. yeah and we could go see uh, Johnny Hayes and the boys over at Inter... Inter- boys oh, and yeah, girls over at Inner Traditions. He's up in the... Uh, in Vermont. Vermont. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. God's country. Yeah, he's he's got he's had some crazy synchronicities and stuff happen. Actually, I should have read that one Look, in the intro. There's your lips, man. Well, at least you know when to delete it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> I can notice. I can see all your little nuances just in waveform now. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> So what do you think about the, the, uh, wasn't there another part of the Coral Castle that uh, people think that flywheel is free energy and all that, right? And he's just saying it's, uh, it's like electromagnetism, I guess, right? I think it's just a way of maximizing, uh, it's basically a way to not have to do it yourself, right? Like once you get the thing going with a little battery, it just keeps going, right? Yeah, exactly. Without, well, I guess... No, you had to charge the batteries so all the time. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to yeah. keep charging your batteries, yeah. but I mean, basically. But it's a mechanism that just goes by itself. That's really the the mystery, right? Or it, that. Yeah, exactly. No, well, it's not that. It's like that. That device he made is just helping amplify the power in the batteries and helping them be like not all together instead of in line, which gives it the power to. So I guess he just he put that fucking metal door was on the end of his thing, and it would just slowly chip away at the coral yeah there's still some research to be done but i mean he hasn't been at it for that long no no and he seems to be off to a really good start like i'm glad he uh he picked us to start with because i'm uh i'm real interested to see where this is going to play out yeah over the uh over the next year or two and uh of course we'll have to get one of those uh, original copies of his book yeah. yeah that's cool signed and dated yeah, right on. Thanks for coming on, Scott. Scott Russell leads Galman. Yeah. I think that's about it. Next week, we got Matheson, Dave Matheson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah, and we've um, got uh, some live shows coming up. Do we? Hellier? Yeah, Paul Hellier. That's a five, That's a 7 p.m. Eastern. That'll be a tough one. Well, maybe that's better for people. I don't know. It's yeah, worse maybe. for me. Yeah, it's worse for us. That's a tough one to get to, and then that's not a double now? No. 
And then probably the week after we're doing. We're fucking real close to a hundred too. Oh yeah, we got to do our hundredth episode. We're at like ninety-seven or ninety-eight right now. Yeah, we have to talk about is that a hundredth recorded or a hundredth released? Because that'll make a difference on how we handle this whole thing, right? We're past a hundred recorded. Oh, are we? <laughs> are we? Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. So it'll be a hundred release then. Yeah, which is going to be in the next two or three weeks, I'm guessing. Okay. And that'll be, is that going to come out as a bonus? No. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll we should just do that. Yeah, I don't know. Depends We're not going to do a guest for that, though. We're just going to jibber-jabber? Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Oof. Maybe. The 100th episode gets the least downloads. Yeah. And, and then uh, <laughs> after that, I think we're going to start numbering them, too. Yeah, that's right. At RPJ's request. Yeah. We never planned to do 100, so we never thought finding the old episodes was going to be an issue. Exactly. <laughs> Now you're like, yeah, back, uh, hmm. So we'll start at 101, and the first 100 are just going to stay a jarbled mess. It'll just be, yeah, it's somewhere in the first 100. Yeah, the lost tapes. Yeah. So that should about do it. As always, support the show, grammerica.ca slash moneybomb. Uh, tweet us at Grammerica. Like the Facebook page. Email Gram. Spam, spam Gram. G-R-A-H-A-M is the email address. Synchronicity. I'd like to hear like people's synchronicities, uh, psychedelic experiences, and lucid dreams at this point, and that'll change, obviously, but right now it's... Yeah, absolutely. It uh, looks like the new website is going to launch within the next uh, week or two, so looking forward to that. I was talking with our web guy, Mr. Wayne Darnell from Darnell Digital Inc., um, and he says it's coming along nicely. It looks pretty sharp. I can't wait. Yeah, thanks a lot, Wayne. It takes and us up to a whole new level. And if anybody uh, is looking for his link, it's in every show notes that we do. So check it out. Yeah. Tell him, tell him Grammerica sent you. And was there something else? That's it. <laughs> you sure? Yep. I thought there was something else we wanted to ask people to do. Oh, the t-shirts and stuff? or the? No, we did oh. all that. No, I think. Uh, no, I think that's it. Blog. Blog. We haven't put out a call for that in a long time. Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and uh, if you're interested in blogging, Great America is still always looking for bloggers. We've got a great team going now, some great content coming out. Uh, but we're always looking for more, and there is really no... Um, Restrictions? Well, there's no application process, you know what I mean? If you want to blog for us, you just blog for us. Simple <laughs> as that. Like, I've never vetted anyone. I don't... I don't, you know, if, well, so, if mean, someone no, goes on I mean, there and starts putting crazy shit, I'm just going to delete it. But for like, for them, like, I don't, no one has to write a fucking sample blog or anything like that. Right. Yeah. But they Everyone just have to be honest them. about what their content's going to yeah. be like. and all that. That's all. Email me, say what you want your blog called and yeah. I'll set it up and teach, right. teach how to use the page. If you don't know how to use WordPress and, and away you go. Yeah. Sweet. So we're always looking for more. And uh, if you haven't checked out the blogs over at the web, web's website website then i uh i encourage you to do so because we've got some great uh, bloggers going for us so right on check that shit out thanks buddy see you next week yeah we'll see you guys uh, probably next week yeah.